Art Yourself Alive podcast with your host Vicky Parker, sharing lived experience stories of the power of creativity to support your mental health and well-being. So welcome to this episode of the Art Yourself Alive podcast and today I am so excited to bring you one of my really, really good friends, an amazing, amazing creatrix, creative fire starter is what she likes to call herself, um, my lovely friend Moira Scott. Now Moira Scott is a coach and an artist and she is the creator of wild art journaling and wild painting of which I have had the deepest pleasure to get involved in. Absolutely wonderful practice. So just to say hello, Moira, how are you? Hello. Yeah, I'm really well. Thank you, Vicky. Lovely to be here. Oh, it's so, so nice to have you. I've been wanting to interview you for ages. Um, so as you know, this podcast is about connecting us to our absolute innate understanding of how creativity can support you in your well-being with your mental health and just how the purity of creative process which you understand so well in such basic and messy and chaotic and lovely terms with your wild art journaling is to get to that root get to that root of where that essence starts for all of us and remind us all of those wonderful memories that we may have had as a child and talk about play and talk about the origins of the creativity within ourselves. So I would love you, Moira, to just tell me what are your favorite memories of when you were a kid, when you were playing? Um, I was thinking about this earlier, of course, um, Vicky, and I think about when I first think about playing, I'm kind of going back really early, is in making mud pies and mixing up spells as I used to call them in in buckets so like putting in all sorts of gubbins mostly mud but sticks spiders webs this kind of thing and kind of getting really messy and doing that and having just being completely absorbed in doing that so that's kind of really early pretty young when I think about the kind of creativity stuff I used to do quite prolifically it's probably a little bit older sort of you know the 9 10 11 12 kind of mark and I think that's a sort of peak age for that kind of thing and I used to do so many different things actually I used to love doing things with fabric so I did patchwork a lot and uh, so patchwork and crochet and weaving I did but the thing that I really got into in a big way, and I must have been about 12, 12 and a half when I was doing this, it was like my, I took all summer building um, like a paper theatre. So it was in a box and it had sort of, you know, like sets that could, would go back and we'd put torches in at the top and I made these paper puppets. But building that little world of sort of lights, music and sort of layers of scenery I just got completely absorbed in that. And I've still got, you know, like, I love to just spend my time making paper theatres, completely pointless, really. But like, I just loved it. I love creating those little worlds. Wow, they sound amazing. And what yeah, they, do, they don't exist. Well, what, they, what happened was, um, 
So I would create little puppets as well. And then I'd put on shows. So that was, a, I mean, I used to do kind of quite a few puppet shows, actually, but this kind of creating the whole theatre. So it would have the, you could see if you looked into it from the back, there'd be little holes and then you'd see the backs of the heads and it would go down to the kind of stage front. And then so I put on shows, you know, and I'd have like torches with tissue paper and I'd play music and generally kind of dance shows because it'd be music and a little performance by whatever in um I seem to remember a little russian puppet that danced to russian music i can't remember the rest but that's that's mainly what happened in there i <laughs> love that and what inspired you to do that um yeah it is quite specific because my mom had and i guess still has somewhere and it was a little bit of a family heirloom because it's from the um 1951 exhibition in london the great exhibition i think it was 1851 rather so like the great exhibition and i think that's when it was maybe it's 1871 i don't know it was victorian so it's like it comes in a sort of like thing and you under and it expands like a kind of concertina and then you look in it and it was like this kind of paper model of the um exhibition that you could look down it's a big glass dome and sort of all the different things kind of going down it so it, it was that really that inspired me to to want to, to make my own. Wow. And I love that phrase that you use that you make this little world and you get absorbed in this little world. I mean, what that's, what's, what's beneficial about that experience for you to make a little world for yourself? I think art is creating a little world, perhaps. It's, yes, a little alternate reality mm. that's being created and you can go spend time in it. And isn't it lovely to just go and spend the time in it? <laughs> oh, totally. That's kind of like realising what it's all about, really. And so there's delicious. so many different ways of like spending time in it <laughs> in the alternate reality of creativity. There's, you know, there's two aspects of it. There's, you know, I literally created another little world with the theatre. Um, and part of what I love doing, really, and it's only really beca because of lockdown when it was removed, and now sort of being reinstated again, the sort of bringing of people together and creating like events really or happenings where people gather is part, and I'm realising this really, um, is part of what I love to do. So creating an experience is part of that. And then there's on a personal level, dropping into creative flow, which is a place I really like to spend time in as well and is a little alternate world but it's slightly different once kind of creating a world and yeah. being involved in that I oh you know I've always loved fancy dress parties um sort of decorating rooms you know creating kind of meals with you know decorations and things like that so that's part of this sort of scene setting really yeah. that I still enjoy yeah, scene setting. And you really do do that in your workshops as well, actually. You do really create the world. And, 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 you, and I can see now, knowing that in your background, I can see how you take the approach when you do your wild art journaling, because it has many layers to it. It's not just one image. There are literally, literally layers and layers and layers of things that you um, ask the person to immerse themselves in uh, from all different kinds of strands, from the writing and the visuals to the making, to the cutting, to the pasting. I can really see now how that's come together for you because I always wondered why you were so drawn to the collaging and the ripping and the paper. And now you've given me some background like that. That's really mm. interesting. Yes, that's really interesting. 
think I'm just having a bit of a realization now. I've always been fascinated by layers. Mm. And um, so, you know, patchwork is a kind of yes. layering. And um, and there's not, I'm not the only one, actually, but things that used to really fascinate me were not maybe childhood, but sort of early sort of teen sort of era was, you know, when you've got lots of posters on a wall or wallpaper that's been papered over and you kind of get the little corner that comes up and you can see that underneath one wallpaper, there's a different wallpaper. And underneath that, there's another one or underneath the poster, there's these layers of posters. Always love that. So the layers thing is a sort of going back through things is definitely part of my creative process as an artist. Yeah, because you do that with your own art as well, don't you? Your own mm-hmm. art practice is very much based on um, secrets and things that are hidden behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. because I remember when I when when we worked together in on, on one of my events, and you created that amazing painting for me in collaboration with the people that were in the in the workshop. I had all the pictures of all of the layers and as it built and it's fascinating to watch what people did right and what people did stick and then how it ended up on the mm-hmm. painting absolutely wonderful and I do love that when I when I saw some of your um paintings in your collection was it the enchanted forest collection mm-hmm. the one you called and you wrote all of those stories on the canvases underneath and we know that they're there but we and we know that they're infusing a, a different kind of magical essence through the paint and just completely enhancing the whole, you know, gorgeousness of it all. I love that. Oh, that's really interesting. So I'm also fascinated by your mud pie story too. That really, <laughs> that really does take me back as well. Growing up in Yorkshire, growing up with the woods and being in mud, you know. And fire. That's I mean, it was slightly not kind of like quite so young, but as a small, you know, as a young child, must have been over nine because we we moved to Suffolk when I was nine. Digging digging holes and lighting fires mm. in those holes was I love lighting fires. Yeah, I called myself a fire starter earlier, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I really do love love lighting fires. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm the same. I'm mm. totally the same. I'm just getting a sense of something. Something's just coming through for me about mess and chaos and destruction and ripping and burning and clearing and cleansing. And actually, that really is a fundamental part of your practice as well, isn't it? That's mm. how I'm seeing you now for the first time, actually. It's not fascinating. It's, it's all fascinating, Vicky. I'm finding this fascinating myself. It's like, oh, yes, there's a thread there. A I thread. didn't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the reason why I am drawn at times to the Wild Art Journaling is because of that destructive, chaotic, ripping, piecing together, rearranging kind of process. And it doesn't always draw me, actually, because that's not part of my practice. And I really have to get into a headspace to do that. And I've always asked myself why I've had to get into a specific headspace to do that because I watch you and you do it so freely and it's just so fundamental to you with your hairdryer and your glue and your and all of the different layers and painting over it and I'm like gosh that is a freedom that actually I don't always tap into I have other freedoms but that seems to be a freedom that I would like more of it's designed kind of like to support that desire Mm. for that kind of freedom for sure and it's for a creative person many people struggle with destroying what they've done and it's this is the world art journaling really specifically or some of the processes that I do so um 
it's about letting go and uh, there is a there's a writing term called kill your darlings and if you write it people know I don't know maybe you don't know that but it's about sometimes you can get really stuck at a level because you really really like something but until you get rid of it the rest of it can't come so yeah it's in in writing it's called kill your darlings there's a phrase and you just love it you think it's so poetic and it's just that actually that's the thing that's blocking you from getting the rest of it to kind of come together so with the layers and the the kind of moving through it and sort of ruining something perhaps there's absolute freedom sort of that comes from that and then you loosen up you see because you can get stuck in little patterns I think and you want to kind of stick to what you know and that's I like kind of crashing crashing through that destroy that and like let's kind of like move on and kind of get to the other side of that and that's when it gets when you can let go like that you're very free yeah and do you think that was a natural state of being for you from from your childhood play or is that something that you embraced because you needed that I think it's fairly natural to me actually although not saying that I don't get stuck and when I get stuck I tend to destroy something I'm not saying I can break things so destroying a painting could be just you know putting a big red blob in a corner you know just doing something dramatic to it to shift the energy so I mean for me being stuck in your creative practice really interesting space to kind of be in and I was very inspired by I think it's Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance and in that he says being stuck is amazing because that's what Buddhist martyrs or Zen masters have been trying to get to the idea, you know, that point of having no ideas. That's what they spend their whole life trying to have nothing come up in their brain. It's really actually very hard. If you just like look at something, um, you'll find all sorts of ideas. If you really ask that, there's all sorts of things that you could do and it's quite difficult to stop them coming out. But being stuck, it's kind of a really interesting place because that's where you're probably going round and round and round. It's like looking for something and thinking, well, I put them there, so they must be there. And you keep looking in the same place where they're not and you can't find them. So, you know, it's about doing something differently and sort of moving on and kind of creating a whole new, new world for yourself by doing so. Mm, and the symbolism of that is so wonderful, isn't it, in terms of how you can just approach life? Yeah, yeah, because you can just butt up against a kind of brick wall yeah. trying to do something in the way that you thought it needed to be done when in fact if you just you know turned to your left there'd be like there's no wall you can just go that way <laughs> getting even more inspired just listening to you now thinking okay what what have I drawn or what have I painted recently that I could just take that approach with and go right that's going across it and I'm going to change the whole direction <laughs> Yeah, I'd love that. I mean, I do that myself because I turn paintings around mm. constantly. The minute I feel like I can see something literal appearing in it, I will turn it around so that I am no longer following that path. Yeah, it's a, a similar thing. It's disruption, disruption to the kind of like patterns yeah. in a way. Yeah. And again, so it's like world art journaling, especially if I'm in a room with people, I'm slightly I get start off quite bossy and I'm kind of like some of the things I'm doing, they're deliberately disruptive to stop people going down a sort of little unique pattern and by doing that you can't you can't think ahead so the whole oh I am doing this and I am going in this direction and this is the outcome that I'm going to get and the outcome I'm going to get isn't going to be quite as good as the thing in my head often you know because you've got this idea and you want it to kind of actually happen for, for me it's about getting lost in the not lost 
not the right word, but in the being in the process, because when you don't know quite what's happening or you've had your kind of path disrupted, you're kind of like, oh, I'm here. And then you have to work with what, what is and working with, with what is and being very present. That's when you get to the source of creativity. It's like that point where you're so present, but there's no plans. So you don't know what's going to happen and you have to make it up right? Pure creativity, you're making it up as you go along. And that's kind of creative flow, really, to me, literally just being sort of immersed in it, making it up along, like discovering as you go. Yeah, I think it's uh, sort of like improvising or kind of, but being in the groove with improvising. And it just promotes such flexibility of thinking and being and that whole presence and letting go in the moment, such an amazing skill to have and you said like you say you know many buddhist masters or many other philosophical thinkers have been trying to find that way of just being able to approach life in a way that can help you thrive and help you move through and help you accept what is and i I, i'm remembering the buddhist thinking that pain is inevitable and suffering is optional because Mm. suffering happens when you are in resistance to what is Mm. and you're wanting to change it and you're in the world of should and you're in the world of, you know, needing that not to be as it is. When in actual fact, if you just come to it in that moment, you're right about that portal that it takes you into, which is so rich and so deep, isn't it? And it can really bring a, a flourishing of new ideas and different perspectives and, and, and ways of just embracing and accepting. Mm, and it's if you, if you get to kind of like what is, often just by really slow, you know, just being in that and really being immersed in what actually is you can see the way that needs to happen next without really having to sort of think about it or plan about it I suppose that's that's it and that's flow thing flow state it's being like yeah that's what is and just looking at it and being with it and then going right yellow here there we go or (laughs) some blue dots or whatever and sometimes you get stuck and it's sometimes that's the thing I think it's the movement or the doing of something when you're stuck it's like inertia and that requires a force to kind of move it whereas if you've got momentum it's you know requires something to resist it to stop it that takes us really neatly on to life challenges I think you know if we're if we're looking at the backdrop of that skill set that you already have that you've learned over many decades and um thinking about how you approach things in your life right now. I wonder, is there a challenge that you would like to share with the listeners, um, which can, you know, show us how you've been able to approach something with your mindset and your, you know, creative ways that's been able to support you? I think for me, the art journaling has been created really as a way of processing, I suppose. So I haven't really, there's not specific challenges because I use it quite such a lot, but like it's for any, any challenge, I'm going to use, there's a couple of examples that I definitely used it and it definitely helped. But for me, it's like, if I am really upset or angry or discombobulated or out of sorts, for me, doing the World Art Journaling process, it's like, it starts off so the, the process is free writing. So you're just writing out what's in your head. So you just get it all out onto the paper. So it's, it's like this kind of, it comes out of your head and onto the paper. And then you cover it up 
in the layers in so many different various ways that you can do that. But that's essentially what you're doing. You're covering it up and layers and kind of moving through these layers and sort of working with what you've got in front of you. And by doing that process, there'll be some point where I'm just immersed in the process and I realize I've completely forgotten. It's not like I've forgotten what I was upset about or anything. It's just that it doesn't matter anymore. I don't feel all the feelings. And it's like um, this... I know what I'm going to share with you, actually. So it's like it's like a kind of processing that happens. You get the words out, then you let them go. You let them go. You let them go. You let go of what you're doing. Let, 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 let go. And then sort of suddenly realize it's just not a problem. It's like I've spent time in somewhere that's taken away that thing. So the, the, the example I'm going to show, t- share with you, and I, have, I'm, I might have shared it with you before, but it's, it's just quite funny. All right. So it's not it's not a tragic one. We're talking about there's tragic ones as well, but this one's kind of more funny. So I was very annoyed with my husband. We were having an argument about washing up, which had been one of those ongoing little arguments about washing up that sometimes still rears its head. I don't know what it is, but it's not about washing up. Right. It's it's kind of it always becomes more than just about washing up. It becomes about all sorts of things. And but that's just the little focal point from it. So I was doing well that journaling. So the general writing was like ranting about, I don't know, the plates being left on the table or have not been washed up properly or whatever it was. And all was like, ah, kind of writing it out, writing it out. And then, you know, forgot all about it, got into kind of like color and layers and sort of like wandering around in this kind of like lovely place, just immersed in flow, just dealing with what is. And then sort of towards the end of art journaling, and I was doing this in a group, actually. So um, nobody knew what I'd written. Um, so you like right, right at the end, so we kind of like come back to words. And sometimes those words are like an answer. Sometimes they're complete nonsense, but it, it, it doesn't really matter. You're not kind of attached to it. Anyway, the words that came through at the end of that session, may I swear, there's swearing involved in this. <laughs> Go on then. Okay, you can bleep me out if you need one. The words were, buy a fucking dishwasher. Excuse my language. So, which was, and I have to say, bloody amazing. Bloody love that dishwasher. Absolutely marvellous. But it's it's really simple and silly, but that's the kind of the process. You can go and be all caught up in all the thoughts and the thinking and the, ah, about it. I don't know what to do and uh, and all of that and then you sort of like gradually just like it all just like goes and you're just there you know sticking paper putting some blue some yellow whatever and just being in that space and it's like well creativity I'm sure you know involves your whole brain it's a different way of thinking actually it's a kind of non-verbal kind of way of your brain's connecting all over the place it's not just in your prefrontal cortex it's not just verbal it's not just planning everything's connected you can have little insights or ping around or connect things together in ways you hadn't thought of it's like kind of coming so about this that you can have little insights actually and you know like sometimes they don't make sense at the time you know I'll just write down some what I think are random words and like looking back it can be oh right yeah okay that's that's quite deep (laughs) that's kind of that actually sums up that whole thing and so I was kind of talking about like this you know could be some more you know sadder sadder things so I well my dad died last year and while while he was dying he had cancer and we were because of lockdown able to sort of be there with him which was 
you know, lovely that we could be there with him. Not lovely in the context, obviously, but um, the world art journey I did during that time, it was, it was a very calm place, you know, it was a lovely place for me to kind of go. So it's like solace in a way to be immersed in this world, not thinking. And I think there's something about that. There's not, it's not wordy thinking. It's not the same as churning thoughts. It's, um, it's a very different kind of thinking, sort of being type of thinking. Anyway, nonverbal. And then, um, so right, but looking back at the work that I produced then, it's quite, oh, you know, it, it, it looks like, what can I say? Some of the words like, you know, holding on and lost at sea and that sort of thing. And it, it wasn't in reference to that context, but afterwards I, I you know it it was how I felt to genuinely sort of expressing that and and being able to do that through that process yeah no thank you for sharing that and I think it's really important actually that you you um gave us two examples there one of real everyday challenges because this podcast is not just about you know inviting someone on to tell a tragic life story that's not what this is about Challenges can come in the smallest of episodes, but in actual fact, to be really aligned with you, there are so many layers beneath what we might even perceive to be a simple challenge. I mean, my my first question would be, how many years did you argue about the washing up before you reached that pinnacle point of just like (laughs) finding a solution for yourself by buying a bloody dishwasher? (laughs) I know, it's hilarious, isn't it? It's like, it's not complicated. Actually, you know, it's uh, hilarious. There comes years, a time. So years. Probably years, yeah. There comes a time for you to give yourself permission. It's like, did you win? Did you need the fight for just that period of time? And then were you just ready to give up the fight for it? Do you know what I, I mean? Like, it can be a I, can't, I couldn't I couldn't explain it. it. Obviously, it was the answer. It was, you know, just ah, right. Instead of you know, getting caught up in it. Because when yes. you're in it, you can't see sense really because it's all about how annoying the other person is, yeah. right? <laughs> Absolutely. All so, the projection. And how it's yeah. not fair and this, that and the other. And if only they could see it this way and all of that business. Yeah. It's, but in fact, there's a solution. It's like we were saying, it's like you're up against a brick wall, you're banging your head against it. Why won't this wall get out of the way? But if you look sideways... There's something else, and it's oh right, of course, that they're all along. Simple solution. But we move, like I say, we move into those positions within our own understanding of ourselves when the time is right. And that's to say, to reiterate again, there is no small challenge, and everything that we're doing has some kind of story attached to it. And when we notice the story, we can let it then fall away. When we can just own the story, we can see the parameters of that story. Go, hmm, asking that insightful question of yourself. What is it about that story that's been serving me for so long? And, and, and am I ready to give up that? Mm. And I love that. I love that about the wild art journaling because you can come to that understanding about the things 
in that process. And you get rid of all of your excess energy and you have a space to place the intensity of feeling that might have been clouding your thinking and more, you know, like proactive, productive mind, you know, mm. and it's all of that cutting and sticking and stuff like that. There's Ripping so and it's like, yeah, we get destruction. It's like totally, ah. totally destroying <laughs> it. And it really does get rid of that, um, you know, stuff that's stuck. It really does get you energized and in it and embodied in it. And that's really important, isn't it? To get really embodied in it. For me, it's like, and it is letting go of the verbal, I think, to, to an extent. It's like, it's, it becomes not about words. Yeah. And that's a different part or it's a different way of thinking, which, yeah, it's, um, it used to be kind of like designed it up like the left and right brain. Apparently that's just not true, but it's a very handy kind of metaphor for the different ways of thinking. And the right brain, um, which one's which, I can't remember. Left brain, I think, is the kind of logical, kind Thinking of methodical, logical. do thing, one thing at a time, prefrontal cortex, like part of your brain that does all of that, thinking, deciding, differentiating, measuring, all of that stuff. It's quite small and sometimes it doesn't know the answer. But sometimes if you let all of your experience and everything all connect at once by being immersed in being embodied in some way, for me, that would be like, you know, the, the, the cutting and the sticking and the kind of the colors and the, all of that and the placing of things and quite visual. So that works for me. But then you have insight. And I know that you really, really took it to the next level over the last couple of years when we've been, you know, um, stuck, literally stuck in so many ways. And this process has been able to, you've applied it in so many areas and held groups for people. And could you want to describe a little bit of that journey around how the wild art journaling process maybe transformed um, for you over the last couple of years? Yes, because obviously I couldn't have a group of people in a room together. So, Mm -hmm. um, and initially I had, all of the work I had, which was all involved in it was that side and some other work all to do with being in a room with people. So I do coaching as well, coaching and facilitation. So I was doing that all with groups of people in a room, all of it stopped. And it was a way to, as a way of connecting with people, I thought I'm just like every week I'm going to go live and well, I think I did it in Zoom, anyone could come. And um, it was free because I just wanted to connect with people and I'll share my words art journaling process and you can come join in or do, or, you know, if you don't want to do that, you could do whatever creative practice that you do. We've got some time for it. Let's all do it together. And um, so this sort of creating together sort of aspect of it, which is something I was really missing as well. And so I started off doing it just as a kind of free thing and then realized, oh, actually I don't have any income. So I asked for donations and yeah it was it was great I had people from all over the world come and sort of be creative together and then sort of as the kind of lockdown first lockdown anyway ended I sort of turned it into a, a membership so we meet and we sort of meet every week and we have done since so moved to a, it started on a Friday moved to a Sunday and in, in lockdown at that time and um, yeah, we you know every week there's a bunch of us who just do wild art journaling together. We've kind of developed a little rhythm with it. I say it's a rhythm because we don't do the same things every time. What we do now is we have random prompts for the layers. You know, if it sparks some kind of thing with you, you go with it. If you don't, it doesn't. And um, yeah, the randomness is generated because everybody in the group brings the prompts. It's like you know, give us a prompt, and they might say blue spots. They might say impossible. Or, you know, it's like really some of it is like 
pick the color that's nearest to you, sort of directional type of thing. Some of it's really abstract, like, yes, what does time look like, for example, as one of them. And that means that you don't, you know, and it keeps you in that kind of, or keeps me and everyone in the room, we don't know quite what's going to happen. And you respond to what is, and you follow your, your creative flow with it. So sometimes people can just get stuck on just one level of kind of creating something, or sometimes they do all the layers and see what happens at the end of it. Do you know, I'm really interested to ask you, actually, um, was there a time over the last couple of years where you really experienced a different kind of stuckness because of our situation that we were all in? No, I don't know if I did. I missed people really a lot. And I do remember one evening, it was meant to be a friend's 50th birthday party. So instead of that, we had this Zoom party, you know, and... I was stood all dressed up like to go, as if to go to a party in a corner of my bedroom. And there was somebody, I mean, she did it really well. She had a magician who was amazing, but they, and then this woman who sort of taught us dance moves. And there was just this little moment when I suddenly caught myself, like I'm standing in a corner of my bedroom dancing on my own. <laughs> and it was just sort of awful. <laughs> I felt just so alone from and separated from everyone. Um, with this that sort of little little moment of just being there on my own sort of dancing away like what am I doing <laughs> yeah I can anyway. totally relate totally relate mm, to that. yeah and then you know the, the sec oh I don't know which one was in January when we didn't have Christmas and we were expecting it and then it was just miserable dark and it was all a bit unbearable at that point and then my dad got cancer. So it was all a bit like, what the fuck, yeah. man? This is all a bit much. Anyway, yeah. it was a bit like everyone, even in the streets, beginning lockdown was quite exciting. And, you know, the clapping and the kind of camaraderie on our street was really quite magical, actually. And then that one in January, it was just like everyone would just, it's like it was all too much. Just like I'm just going one foot in front of the other. That's all I can do right now. It was quite grueling. Yeah, we actually had really different experiences then because mm. I, I remember that because because of where you live in Brighton, um, you really had that opportunity to have the community of your street to be kept going. And I remember just being oh, improved, improved. Yes, honestly, absolutely. you built mm. the connections quickly, yeah. and you were building them online on your Zoom. And I remember me the first three months, I was completely alone in my house, and I didn't touch another human being for three months. So it was completely isolating for me. And I remember coming to your, uh, to your Zoom and going to other people's Zooms and negotiating this new, very strange world of seeing people in boxes. And, and you know, even though we'd been on Zoom before. And I remember that actually being the catalyst for me. The complete isolation was the catalyst for me to go even deeper into my own artwork. Mm. And that was actually the gift for me to remove all external connection to anything and it took me down a very very deep path and it took me into really understanding the artwork that I was doing and how that was healing me because it was so deep and it was so spiritual and the whole global situation allowed me to to connect much more deeply with my spiritual understanding of the world and beingness and who I might be as a human being on the planet you know all of those kind of stories and then yeah, that's just made me really reflect. 
because I watched you do that and then you shifted because then you had to go more internal and small and family unit and I wonder what that transition was like for you because you know you were community 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 Mm. connection and then close family it was it was very intense yeah yes it was an intense period of time it was very all-consuming yeah in our particular kind of instance there was a lot of a lot of medication that was very complicated and neither my mum my brother nor I are very good at I mean no it was you know this one has to be three times a day this one has to be after being eaten this one has to be seven times a day but uh, you know so the kind of the schedule of all of that and it sounds ridiculous but we you know it was just this it was all very intense it was very quick really in mm. retrospect so quite a strange time but and also because we were in this awful and before that had happened the the, the awfulness of that particular lockdown that I kind of found it really like felt like you know, Christmas had been taken away and it's the worst time of year for me that darkness so it was quite a sort of low time anyway it was just keep going and I couldn't really yeah that was it was not kind of was not jolly um very very kind of like step by step and weirdly it's not a good thing but what happened when we found out firstly decided to break lockdown initially just because we didn't really know what was going to happen I couldn't go into the house to begin with because um my dad was going to go into hospital for a particular operation but my son and I just drove to Suffolk and we then went we didn't stay in the house went stayed in my mum has a holiday house up near Southwold and we stayed in that and it was so naughty you know but it was so great to leave and be doing something to be sort of like doing that and so that then when we then more or less to camp to Suffolk up and down quite a lot really but the first time we went up we went up and it was snowing and we decided to go and try and get there before because it was quite a bad snowstorm um, especially in East Anglia so we got and we were driving along it was fine on the motorways I mean snowing and sleeting and stuff but not really it wasn't a problem and we got to the outskirts of Ipswich, which um, is in, like, off the main roads. And I was driving along and you know, it was snowy and I braked because the traffic lights had turned red and I didn't stop. So I kind of like drifted into the middle of the road and I was like, oh gosh, the roads are really quite icy here. And um, so there was in Ipswich is about, five miles to my parents who live outside of Ipswich and so it was super treacherous like treacherous (laughs) about five miles an hour five ten miles an hour sort of driving along and when we got out into the countryside countryside snow drifts and I'm in a little Fiat Panda (laughs) Mm -hmm. and some of the roads are kind of like at an angle I mean luckily there was not very many other cars about but I realized you know my brakes weren't really working and we got there and then we were snowed in for I don't know four days it was quite extraordinary, really, to be with people. We sort of had Christmas then, you know. So even though it was awful, it was also really nice to be with my family. 
and by that time we were we were allowed okay <laughs> so we weren't breaking the law by this point because in that context we were doing hospice at home so you were allowed to to travel we'd have got dispensation sort of thing but it was also quite lovely in a weird way to be with them you know but uh, quite small yes quite intense so I'm wondering then how did your how did your creativity help support you in that moment it's um I did it actually twice a week I was you know was always once a week with the 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 world art journaling with my group but I did it twice a week and so by by this time my other work had gone online as well so I had quite a lot of that but not so much you know I I can say I can do it from anywhere it's was still another place it's like a little solace doing it is solace because you know it's a place where the rest of the world doesn't matter I suppose so it's creating that space to when you're immersed in creativity it's like that alternate world thing it's a kind of mind space that is very very present and as such free from worry so it was solace I'd say was what I got from it at that point yeah and it becomes very real at that point that the the need for the solace and the freedom from worry is so crucial to your well-being and helping you to function and just keep going. Yeah. I wonder as well, I'd love to ask you, because I've seen your um, amazing artwork, obviously, and you keep producing more. And I know you're doing an exhibition coming up or a solo exhibition, aren't you, of your work? I know that you do the wild art journaling process for your processing but how does that then translate into what becomes one of your amazing canvases for show as a piece of artwork? Because the process is process, messy, you know, not meant to be shown to anybody. But then you translate right. that, don't you, into your artwork. Talk us through that process. Yeah, that's a really interesting. Those are an interesting transition for me. So, so I started painting I'd always drawn in sketchbooks I used to draw people and I do like still to draw I find it very meditative again you know you're just you and the thing that you're looking at and it's um, very mindful and still get into that same mind space Um, but painting and exhibiting yeah all the art journaling and the painting I did was about that process loving the process just loving painting and what happened was I started to have many paintings <laughs> and it got to a point I thought, well, maybe I should exhibit some of these paintings and sell some, get, you know, clear some space so I can do more paintings. Actually, that's literally where it was coming from. So I had an exhibition. I went, I was in a group exhibition with Faye Bridgewater and a woman called Susie Points and Susie, got her name, terrible mate brain freeze Susie Lowe Susie Lowe thank you yeah I remember the exhibition there you go and um uh so we put it up and it all looked amazing and was really happy with it and one of the key things when I'm doing an art journey when I'm teaching painting it's like look this is about the process you know just about the process and with art journey specifically it's like this is art you don't have to show anyone this is art for your own pleasure it's not about here it is let's put it in a wall let's judge it you know and Anyway, so at the moment of the, the private view, right, people started coming in. I suddenly had this like, oh, my God, you know, firstly, it was like, oh, my God, everyone else's work is amazing and mine is shit. What am I doing? And it was 
horrible. And, you know, this, this is the feeling that stops people making art, right? And this is why I fight against, because, you know, it's like, no, it's so pleasurable, do it, because it doesn't matter if nobody likes it, you know. And, you know, to exhibit is inviting that, isn't it? It's inviting people to come along. And even me, even I looked at it and I judged it harshly. I was like, that is shit. What am I doing? What am I doing? And it was a really interesting experience over that week because it was up for a week. I mean, I, you know, also people arrived private view. I had to like just front it out, right? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I enjoyed making them. I enjoyed making them. I enjoyed making them. Like, act as if you love them, you know, go on. And um, then as a week went on, I discovered, I mean, not surprisingly, really, in retrospect, I mean, some people didn't like my art. They, I'd hit them, you know, going, God, look at that one. But other people really did. And that was like, ah, right, okay. So, you know, they're like, oh, my God, I love this one. What's this? I'm this. I see this in it. And you're like, oh, I didn't even see that. That's so exciting. <laughs> so it was um, it was a real learning thing to sort of do that because, yeah, you know, it gets judged. But, you know, some people like it. But it's a different thing, really different to Wild Art Journaling, which is super about the process, about your own pleasure for just enjoying the doing of the thing. And still with a painting as well. I know you're making a painting and it's got that sort of connotation. And so with wild painting, we work paint on big canvases. It's a really similar process. It's all about the layers and kind of moving through that. I don't like this bit. You can change it. You work with acrylic so you can just transform the painting it can really move through different ways of being as you kind of move through but and there's still the kind of like going through the stuck and doing something dramatic and kind of like the ugly phase and how you get past it and all of those things mm. but there, there is a more of a you're not just in it you're in it and then you step back and yes. you look at it and then you then you go back in and you sort of, it's more of a sort of talking looking at it self-conscious not self-conscious but like um self-evaluating on it looking at it and kind of adjusting so you're kind of also being an observer on it slightly different and you know there's still those things to go through so like our own inner judge can be brutal and I, I heard this wonderful quote um which is you know as you step up to the the canvas to paint you bring a whole crowd of people with you and as you paint, they one by one will start to leave the room. So like all the voices that criticize, you know, like the art teacher, that's like, mm, you know, the, all of that sort of stuff that you bring with you, those voices. Okay, as you paint, they leave the room one by one. And if you're lucky, you go too, right? So that's that sort of point where you're self, unselfconsciously in that flow creating. And that is a very magical place to be. Yeah, it is. That's the creative magic part of it. I'm totally fascinated then. When you move into that observer role, what, what happens for you and how do you know when you're done with it? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I don't necessarily know in the room with it. Sometimes I just do. And then sometimes I think I'm done and I'll have it hanging around me for a while or they'll be in the studio. And it's basically, if it's not done, there's a bit of it that annoys me. It'll be like, mm, you know, <laughs> that bit. It's just, in the, I had this painting. I thought I'd finished it and then it was up for a while and it was, there was three circles on it that started to look like a really annoying silly face. <laughs> so 
it was like, oh, you know, I can't, now I've seen that face, I can't get it out. And it's really annoying. And that painting completely transformed. Like with a lot of my paintings, you can still see the other paintings sort of underneath it, if you knew what that one was. Um, but I paint over paintings quite a lot, not surprisingly. Not surprisingly, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's interesting, yeah. So I wonder whether or not the decision that it's finished comes from that internal emotional space that you've processed everything that needs to be processed about this, you know, wherever you are in yourself, or whether it becomes a critical eye in that's enough paint that's finished properly. Um, <laughs> I think it is, in a way, it is more the, the critical eye, actually, for a painting. It is looking at it and feeling that it's sort of balanced, it's got enough interest. I think it is a critical eye. I mean, I like looking at things. So sometimes, you know, my, I think with, with learning painting, I mean, you're, you know, the more you do it, the more skillful you are with it. I suppose it's like anything if you're practicing it. So some of my earlier paintings, some of them I still love. Some of them I'm like, hmm, you know, I'm going to paint over that one. So it is perhaps, it is that, I don't know, it's, yeah, slightly, it's really different. I know what I'd like to ask you, actually. I know that with all of my paintings, I have such an emotional attachment to them and I've never sold one of my original canvases, but I'm moving into being able to sell original source doodle drawings because I'm feeling a, a, a permission and a letting go in the opposite way around, when I do one of my source doodles, it's not the critical eye that says it's finished. Mm. It is, that's why I asked you the question, because it's whether or not the emotional intensity has, there's enough gone. Whether Ooh, that's maybe, maybe um, that's yeah. kind of co-current. I don't know. I hadn't thought about it like that. So, you mm. know, perhaps there's an element of that. There's mm. something complete about it. Yes, there's something complete emotionally at a cellular level for me, at an energetic level, mm. and I can look at it. I do look at my abstract acrylics sometimes, and I, and I know what you're saying about the, um, you take a step back, you look at it through squinted eyes, you look at, you know, the black and white version of it when you take a picture of it, mm -hmm. you know, just to see whether or not the light is right and there is a balance, like you're saying. And those are really good skills to have if you're creating a painting. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, the other side, it's, it's kind of it's kind of equal for me um, when I paint. But when it's just a drawing, it's it's just I knew what I did with my pencils. I like the way my pencils look. It is what it is. And I mm. think that's that's the that's the process I came to with it. When I started with them, I said, well, I'm just going to spend 30 minutes and I'm going to use it as a meditational space. Just like you've been talking about a space, another world going into somewhere that's a solace space for yourself and whatever comes up whether I like it or not I'm going to post it on Instagram and whatever comes up in resistance to that is my work for the day that's my healing mm. work for the day mm. you know so you know this is obviously why I love the work that you do because everything about creation is about process and you know getting it out onto the page out of yourself and allowing yourself some space cleared space within yourself and peeling back more and more layers of yourself it's fascinating yeah it? yeah and and you Love know it. you're right it's like put, and presenting it to the world is it's yeah. just another level of that really because yeah that will bring up stuff for you <laughs> for I, know, sure. I love how I love how you were really vulnerably sharing there about what that meant for you for people to see your work and you actually then realize wow people are going to stand there and they're going to project how they see the world 
onto what you've painted. And it isn't actually a judgment of you. It's a statement of where they are. Yeah. Or, you know, and everybody's got their own preferences and, you know, all sorts of, you know, Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting when you talk about selling a painting. So firstly, I put my prices up so that if I sold my favorite painting, I wouldn't mind so much. Okay. So that's, that's one of the things I did. Um, And my favorite painting, what happened to it was quite interesting because it's called Blue Angel. It's still on my website because my website needs updating. And it was very popular, actually. Lots of people liked it. And um, I got one of those, I now know, and I recognize it instantly, it's total scams. Like, hi, my name is Captain Joby. I am from wherever he was from. And my wife is really interested in your buying a painting from your website, blah, blah, blah. If you get that, it's a kind of stock phrase. It's some kind of weird scam anyway. So um, yeah, and I had a... <laughs> Yeah, I had a coach at the time is like, why are you thinking this? Why do you immediately think it's a scam? And I was like, I just think it is, you know, it's really odd. I want to spend this much on a painting. That's not why you buy a painting anyway. And she was like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you're wrong. Maybe that's just it's, anyway. So I went along with it for a while until, yeah, it got to this point with like, I had to pay for shipping for it to be sent somewhere in the Ukraine. And I was like, I'm not paying for shipping. You know, that's going to cost me 700 pounds you know and they wanted to pay me by check and I was like no okay I'm just not no not have that's not how I work you want the painting it's going to cost you this much to buy it and it will cost you 700 pounds to ship it and you pay me my PayPal please yeah and then I didn't hear from them again you know or got very cross because it was his wife's anniversary got crosser and crosser and crosser but it's like no it's not what's happening and the one thing that really bothered me is it's one of my favorite paintings so I don't want you to have it you don't you don't care what the painting is. You're just saying you want to spend this much money on a painting. No, I didn't want him to buy it. it regardless, even if it wasn't a scam, I was like, I don't want you having this painting. It's my favorite painting. I love this painting. You don't appreciate it, really. There wasn't that feeling there. So I was very, very glad that person wasn't a real person and didn't want to buy it. And then really shortly afterwards, somebody, I think I put it on Pinterest, I showed it on Facebook. Somebody said, I love this painting, I want it. How much is it? And I said, how much it was? They said, I, I know, it. I want it, I'm going to buy it. And I think I thought, oh, I've got to clear up the edges. She was like, no, no, she came around to look at it. She's like, oh yeah, I love it, I love it. And there's something I need to kind of clear up the edges or something. She's like, no, no, I really like it just as it is. And I, I want to buy it, it really is and when she said, it's like, when I look at it, I just feel, and she sort of like moved her hands and kind of breathed in. And it was like, it's like, oh, she gets it, right? It's about that feeling. The feeling I had when I painted it, she got that feeling. And that was quite a magical moment, actually. And I was like, yeah, she can have it. Oh, she I can love have that. it. She's allowed. <laughs> I love that, Moira, because, you know, we're, we're, we're often on this podcast, we're, we're talking about how the individual can, you know, step into experiencing how creativity supports their own well-being when they're doing it but we you know must also acknowledge that the level of well-being that can come from appreciation of somebody else's work where oh, you can identify sure. and align with something that you can't quite put your finger on you know something there's an energy in it there's a color there's a shared meaning between the two of you what a wonderful experience yeah and it's, it's valuable and people will yeah. you know that's why art costs money because it's valuable. I had a, had a painting, it's not there at the moment because I've put all my stuff up, need to hang out around the house. Um, but it was, I bought it many years ago and I had to pay in installments and 
it was you know way more money than I really had to be fair I was like you know yeah. I think I paid 800 pounds for painting when like 25 years ago anyway you know every time I look at it it lifts my spirits right that's over all of that time and still I look at it <gasps> yeah you know that's, and that's, that's when you know that that artist yeah in it in their zone with no fakery with no superficiality of producing an image to sell that's when you know if it hits you emotionally that they were there when they were doing it and that's the message that they've put out and it's hit you and yeah. connected yeah I love that Love that. Oh, Moira, what a wonderful conversation. I love talking art with you. <laughs> You're one of my inspirations in terms of, you know, being able to just get on with the big canvases because that's my aspiration to get on with these big canvases. And I started teeny because I had canvas paralysis. I realized I had canvas paralysis and it doesn't happen to me when I'm drawing, but it happened to me when I was going back to the painting and I've started again. And it suddenly, it suddenly started coming because all I needed was my permission to choose the color palette that made my heart sing and just get it on something. And so I rooted out all these tiny little canvas boards that I had and I started them. So you are definitely one of the people that's inspired me to do that, to be that free with that. So huge. Oh, that makes me you. very happy because <laughs> like I said, I want to be like creative, creative first starter. It's about, um, bringing bringing art back to life it's art yourself alive <laughs> there you go that's the one bringing art back to life and it's it is a life thing it's a life energy thing mm. and anyone can do it as well that's what I and it's really magical to do it and you don't have to be you know so-called good yeah. it's not about that it's about getting into that connection into that zone where you don't care whether it's good or not yeah. in a way and I'm glad you've made that distinction between, you know, doing it for your own sake and your own pleasure. And then the very separate role of being an artist that sells their work. Two very different things. And I think it's really, it's really important to get that mindset understood that creativity, everyday creativity is absolutely for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very key for the art journals. The fact is that you don't have to show anyone your art journaling. It was life, and it was a bit of a revelation doing on Zoom because some people just have their camera off, and for them, it was just great to not be in a class of people all looking yeah. at each other's work, you know, because that can be intimidating. Yeah. And it really is about this is just this is your thing. I mean, you know, I have other ways people get letting go of letting go of that sort of. <laughs> preciousness um yeah. but you can do it for yourself and it's just it doodling you see doodling isn't it it's like anyone can doodle doodling yeah. is great you just doodle yeah. for a while wonderful yeah absolutely so let's conclude then this wonderful conversation and if there's anybody out there listening who's been you know wondering how they might give themselves permission to access some really messy destructive chaotic kind of creativity where it doesn't matter what it looks like what would you say to them to help them get started on that journey for themselves I do use this one actually and I've it's actually what you do is you get your lovely sketchbook and I'd love to get say open it on the middle where you're not supposed to and get a pencil or some crayons and scribble 
you know it's just brilliant like you, you can't do scribbling neatly or beautifully it's just like ah, ah different level you know thicknesses and pressures and just get into a really good scribble it's absolutely brilliant cathartic so you can start there <laughs> oh I like that because automatically what you're doing is you're breaking rules from the very beginning because you're opening the book from the middle Yes. So you're breaking that whole linear patterning understanding of I must start here and then I must end here and there has to be an order to things and there doesn't. In fact, if there's an order to things, that's that's not what creativity is. <laughs> so I love that. I love that. Absolutely. You can do it on the front page if you like. I'm not kind of you're like, nobody's, no, nobody's judging you, but like scribbling is really, really great. And, you know, if you look at some of the most expensive artists there are around there's a lot of scribbling going on so yes. it's like what's good what's see this is it what's <laughs> what it's not about whether it's good or bad it's did you enjoy that that really matters yeah and I think so human you know art is a human need we we need it on lots of different levels and do you know being a participant being a creator is part of being alive and humans need to express themselves and they, we are mark makers. We, we really enjoy it. Yeah. I, I'm convinced it's a need. So um, it's a need too. I could not have said that better myself. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Moira. This has been a really lovely conversation. And I really hope that the listeners are inspired to pick up something and to, to be as simple or as crazy or as chaotic as they can be. And to just look at their own challenges in their own life and think about the simplest things that they might want to look for an answer for and give themselves a little space to do that right up into the bigger things that, you know, are much more dominant and perhaps more intense in their life. Because when you start small and you get into a little habit and you have a wonderful process that keeps you sane and keeps you in a nice space of reflection and calmness, then you can really see how you can deal with anything that comes your way because you've got yourself a little toolkit. And I love yeah, that. Yeah, it is. It's a little toolkit. Just yeah. a little, get yourself a little sketchbook. Yeah. And don't show anybody what you're doing, but just yeah. have fun. And doodling, you know, doodling lovely, beautiful swirls, just as valid. You know, well, try, try them all to sell out. Sell me on doodles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not selling you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your listeners. I know <laughs> you like doodles. <laughs> Oh, well, that's brilliant. What I will do, Moira, um, is I will put all of your links underneath where this podcast airs and really encourage, you know, the listeners to go and check out Moira and her work. Um, she's still doing online um, wild art journaling so that wherever you are in the world listening to this, you might be able to access that. If you're in Brighton or local to Brighton can get here, then you can take advantage of Moira's fabulous in-person workshops that have started again <laughs> so thank you so much again and um yeah oh, pleasure vicky that was it was really good to have a good old chat about all of that oh, yeah. and uh thank you very much you're very welcome lovely to have you on <laughs> <laughs>